Well, it's another great day to be a Zag as another player joins the program in Malachi Smith. Smith is a transfer guard from Chattanooga, and today's episode is a breakdown of his game and more thoughts on where he could fit into Gonzaga's lineup and if his arrival puts Gonzaga back on top as the presumed number one team in the country. We're discussing all of that right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, I want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, as well as those of you who have checked the show out on our YouTube channel. If you haven't done so yet, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that subscribe button. All right, it has been a banner 48 hours for the Gonzaga Bulldogs men's basketball program. First, Rasir Bolton said he was leaving the NBA draft and coming back to Gonzaga. That was followed quickly by Julian Strother making the same announcement the next day. And then the big fella, Drew Timmy, with less than an hour to go until the clock ran out and his decision had to be finalized. He sent us a Michael Jordan-esque tweet simply saying, I'm back. So Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Roz Bolton, all coming back to Gonzaga. That alone is an epic, fantastic, incredible week for the Gonzaga basketball program. But they were not done just after that. We'd been hearing rumblings that it was not quite official, but almost official. And now it is officially, officially from the horse's mouth himself. Malachi Smith from Chattanooga has officially committed to join the Gonzaga Bulldogs for next season. He was also in the NBA draft. He decided to return, withdraw, come back to school. At that time, he'd already been in the transfer portal, so he could, of course, transfer wherever he wanted to without having to sit out a year. So he's coming to Gonzaga. He was the top-ranked transfer remaining in the portal by basically every metric out there, every site that painstakingly ranks all of the transfers that are available. He was the number one, the top dog. He was also the best Mid-major player in the country last year, according to many places, including winning the Lou Henson Award, which is awarded to the best mid-major player in the country. So there's not a lot of doubt there that this young man was one of the best basketball players at the college level last season. Uh, He was the SoCon Player of the Year in his conference. He had basically every team out there was a suitor for him. I think any program would have been willing to grab him and put him on their roster if they could have ultimately. Uh, The report was that he was deciding between Gonzaga, Louisville, Texas Tech, DePaul, and Stanford. Of course, made the decision to come to Gonzaga. Here he is. This is going to be huge. This kid, he averaged 20 points per game last year for Chattanooga. 6.7 rebounds, 3 assists per game. He also shot just under 41% 
from three. He's been a consistent outside shooter throughout his career. He was about 39% the year previously at Chattanooga. This dude can straight up light it up. He's a versatile scorer. He can score around the rim. He can score at the free throw line. He can score from beyond the arc. Uh, he's a good rebounding guard, which is always a skill that that has translated well at Gonzaga. You look at your Joel Ayais, your Julian Strathers, your Hunter Salases, guys who, who have displayed the ability to go out and get a rebound and potentially turn around and lead a fast break. Uh, this this is a fantastic addition for Gonzaga. And, and on the heels of getting Julian and Bolton back, to have this amount of depth in the backcourt is, is truly staggering. I don't know how they're going to fill the lineups. We're going to discuss that uh, today and next week and the week after that and pretty much every week, most episodes from now until October because there is so many different potential lineup combinations. I do think... That one pretty important quote that came out of the article written uh, at ESPN by Jonathan Gavoni, this was the one of the first articles that came out after he officially came to Gonzaga. It had a quote from Smith himself. He was asked about his process for returning out of the NBA draft and, and how that process went for him. I'm just going to read the quote here directly. He says, quote, they wanted me to demonstrate that I can be a versatile defender against NBA caliber talent while continuing to show my offensive game as a point guard. Now, Mark Few and the Gonzaga staff, they do not cater towards players' desires in terms of the NBA. If they did, Drew Timmy would have taken a lot more threes last year. That's not to say that Mark Few does not care about players' NBA aspirations. You would be, you would struggle to get NBA caliber talent in your program if you weren't trying to help them achieve their ultimate goal. But he's not going to bend the knee or change the program's situation in order to cater towards a player's NBA aspirations. Again, we have not seen him do that in very obvious instances where he could have done so. Drew Timmy is one of many very obvious examples of that. So the way that I read this quote potentially is if his goal, Malachi Smith's goal, is to be a traditional point guard and to continue to blossom as a point guard, he's probably coming to Gonzaga to play point guard. Because if the, the staff's not going to tell him, yeah, yeah, we'll play you at point guard and, and lie to him. Like, that's not how this situation rolled out. And the staff, if the staff told him, hey, we want you to play more off ball, like Nolan's going to be the primary point guard. You're going to play more of a, you're going to play more of a, a two guard combo guard type role. Then I'm not sure that he would have come to Gonzaga. That's not necessarily true. He may still opt to do that. You look at Rasir Bolton. He's a great example here. Bolton was a primary point guard at Iowa State. He came to Gonzaga for a litany of reasons, but I think that one of those reasons is that he got to play more off the ball. He got to focus more on his shooting, which ballooned up. He went from being an average-ish shooter at Iowa State to a 46% shooter last year, but he wasn't a ball handler. He was capable of playing that role for Gonzaga. Had they needed him to be the, the primary facilitator and ball handler, he could have done it. But between Andrew Nampart and Nolan Hickman, they didn't need him to do that. That was my anticipation up until I read this quote of what they were planning to do with Malachi Smith. He was going to come in, he was going to utilize his skills as a rebounder, as an outside shooter, and be more of a combo guard, letting other players, namely Hickman, namely Dominic Harris, potentially Bolton, playing more of the point guard. But now I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's not going to be the case. And in that situation, it's not great news for Nolan Hickman, at least in terms of his potential path to playing time. But it's maybe good news for Gonzaga because I think that they need more point guard-like players on this roster. 
Bolton, again, can play point guard, but didn't do it last year and hasn't really done it in Gonzaga's offense. Hickman, of course, is the expected starter at point guard, although this news may change that. But he doesn't have a ton of experience either, of course. Uh, Dominic Harris is a guy who I think is probably more of a, a traditional two guard, more of an outside shooter. I think he's capable of being a facilitator. But again, he, he has less experience than Nolan Hickman at this point because of last year's injury. So getting somebody with experience and with point guard experience, I think was a critical need for this roster. And Smith fills all of that to a T. In fact, Mark Few had a very good quote in the press conference or excuse me, the press release that came out after Smith's official signing. Uh, And again, I'll just read Few's quote here. He said, Malachi is going to be a great addition to our program. He does a lot of really good things on the floor, but his experience and leadership will also be huge. And I think that that is kind of the area that Gonzaga... Nolan Hickman, I think, is is a leader. I think that he has those skill sets. You can kind of tell that that's, you know, he's a traditional point guard. He's a facilitator. I think he has leadership qualities. He's not a particularly vocal guy, but he was also a freshman last year. So those skills take time to develop. Bolton is a fantastic leader and a fantastic veteran guy, but he's not a vocal leader. That's never been his role, nor is it a role that Gonzaga would expect out of him this upcoming season. He's a great lead by example guy and a guy who is willing to get things done when the rest of the team is struggling. That's one of the things I love about Roz, and I talked about it extensively on Wednesday's episode when we were talking about his return. But I think having a vocal leader is critical. And Smith is that. He's he's a veteran guy. He's older than most of the players on Gonzaga's roster outside of Bolton and potentially Timmy. I'm not sure what their age difference is right there. But he's going to come in. He's going to be a vocal leader. He's going to take charge, boss people around a little bit. And I think that that's good. But I also think that 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 quote from Few combined with Malachi's quote, combined with just his general skill set, probably means he's going to be playing a lot more of the traditional point guard role. So if you recall, if you listened to Thursday's episode of the podcast, I made my first prediction for what I thought the starting lineup might look like next year. It's June 2nd, so it's far too early to be doing this. And case in point... I'm already changing it. I'm already changing my predicted starting lineup. I said on Thursday's show that I believe the starting lineup was going to be Nolan Hickman, Malachi Smith, Rasir Bolton, Julian Strother, and Drew Timmy. Now that Malachi is officially in the fold, I think we can solidify him in the starting lineup, but I think that final starting spot is going to be between Nolan Hickman, between Hunter Salas, and between Dominic Harris. All three of those guys, in my mind, are going to compete for that final starting spot. I believe Drew Timmy is locked into it. Drew Timmy is certainly locked into a starting spot. Julian Strother is locked into a starting spot. Rasir Bolton is locked into a starting spot. In my mind, none of those guys are not going to start. It would be very shocking if Bolton were to come off the bench. Julian and Drew, it's just, it's non, it's a non-starter. They are, they're starting. There's no debate about that. I think you could potentially say that Anton Watson is in the starting lineup conversation as well. If the Zags wanted to start Julian at his more traditional third spot as the small forward in the lineup. But ultimately, I think it's more likely that Bolton and Malachi and Strother will all start. And then that final guard spot will either be Nolan Hickman, either be Hunter Salas, either be Dominic Harris. Like I said, my first pass of this had Hickman as the starter, but I'm starting to lean towards it potentially being Hunter Salas, just because I think the makeup of that lineup could be really good. Malachi and Bolton and Strother are all very good outside shooters. Very, very good shooters. 
So you don't need... So This isn't Salas's strength. I think he's going to improve as an outside shooter. He wasn't particularly good at last year. He also didn't have a lot of attempts, so I think he's capable. But you don't need him to step in and be a big outside shooter. In this lineup, with Bolton, with Strother, with Malachi, he can be more of a, a just hellraiser defensively, which is what he's very good at. That lineup is going to be very fast. Malachi Smith can move. We know how fast Rasir Bolton is. If Salas and Strother are also running the wings, that is a very quick, very fast, just hell-raising lineup right there. And I think that it makes a little bit more sense for Salas to play that role, Hickman to be the backup point guard. It would be a similar role to what he did last year. Somebody's going to get squeezed out of playing time here. not even some multiple somebodies are going to get squeezed out of playing time here because that lineup, a lineup of Malachi, Salas, Bolton, Strother, Timmy, your bench is Efton Reed, who I don't think came to Gonzaga with the intention of coming off the bench, but I have a hard time seeing how he starts now with Drew Timmy back in the mix. Uh, you have Anton Watson coming off the bench, and then you would have Hickman and Dominic Harris coming off the bench as well. That would be your your, your nine. I think that there's. It's, I have a hard time imagining them not playing a nine-man rotation last next year. But we said that all off-season last year, and they ended up cutting it down to eight. Part of that was because of Dominic Harris's injury. But I think Malachi is going to be the traditional point guard. I think that's more likely to be the role here. Uh, again, we'll have more conversations about this. I also think the staff probably hasn't fully decided yet. Uh, it would be weird if they had. Uh, I think they're going to get a look at what Malachi does, what he's good at, what he's maybe not so good at. And of course, they're going to have to take a look at the improvements made by Stroth, or excuse me, uh, Salas and Hickman over the offseason. You know, if one of those guys is, is popping much more significantly than the other one, that could change some conversation as well. And of course, the wild card, Dominic Harris. I know I didn't mention him as much, but he's absolutely within that conversation. And while I don't think that he's going to be a starter next year, I would not be shocked if he comes out and plays really, really well uh, this summer leading up to the start of the season and forces their hand where he has to end up being uh, either a starter or a significant role player right away. All right, we're going to talk about Malachi more in the second segment. We're also going to talk about the potential for Gonzaga to be the top team in the way too early preseason rankings. Will they be number one once again? Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And we have an important favor to ask. We've been putting together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com survey. Thank you for your help. 
All right, so like we said, 48 hours for the Zags that have been amongst the best 48 hours in the Gonzaga basketball history that did not involve them playing a basketball game. Three starters returned to the program in Bolton, Strother, and Timmy. Malachi Smith is now in the mix as well. Still waiting for an update on 2022 prospect Baba Miller, who is visiting Spokane this week as well. Could make the really, really good week even better if he were to drop a commitment to Gonzaga. But right now, even without Miller in the picture, the main question is, are they number one? <laughs> There's been so much conversation already this offseason because college basketball junkies are going to be junkies and they're going to talk about this sport as much as they can. And there's so many programs that have made major additions to their program or have seen their program have significant losses. And it's always interesting to see kind of where that momentum shifts. For a while, people were really in on Creighton as a potential top five team because of some of the additions they've made. People have been very in on Houston, on Arkansas, North Carolina. Like, There's a lot of programs that have kind of gotten that way too early, still preseason, still pre-draft uh, conversation is like the new number one for next year. And now if you've been on Gonzaga Twitter at all on Thursday after the Malachi Smith news, that is the topic of conversation. Is Gonzaga the number one team in the country? At this point, most rosters are not changing all that much. So this conversation is kind of it's starting to finally be worth happen having like it wasn't worth having a month ago because we didn't know who was going to be on every team a month ago. Gonzaga was potentially going to be 15 or 20 or barely top 25 because Drew might not come back and Julian might not come back and Bolton might not come back. Now we know those guys are back. We know that this roster looks pretty much set in stone. Baba Miller's kind of the last question mark there. I think even if he were to come to Gonzaga, he wouldn't necessarily be a big rotation player right away. So that's kind of the question. Is this team number one team in the country? Obviously, it's hard to replace a Chet Holmgren. Nobody on this roster can effectively fully replace Chet Holmgren. He was a unicorn in the truest sense of the word, an elite shot blocker, a plus outside shooter, a, a bit of a creator as well, menace in the fast break, just a, an outstanding player on both ends of the floor, although his impact on defense on defense is where the Zags are going to really miss him. And then you lose an Andrew Nemhard, the best point guard in college basketball last year. They're also the best point guard in college basketball and the potential number one pick. That is not easy to replace. I think that the additions of Efton Reed and Malachi Smith is a pretty darn good place to start, and not having to replace any other starters is a big sigh of relief for the Zags. But at the end of the day, those are still really tough places to have to make replacements. Now, beyond the trading Holmgren and Nemhard for Efton Reed and Malachi Smith, that's kind of the easiest way to look at the roster and see the notable changes, but there's more to it than that. Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman are going to be better versions of themselves this upcoming season. They are going to take leaps from their freshman year to their sophomore year. We should, it is reasonable to expect them both to be more productive, more efficient, more prepared. You know, Hickman went through a pretty significant drop off towards the end of the season. I don't expect that to happen again. That's something you see pretty frequently in freshmen just because it's a long basketball season. And it's hard to keep up for a full year. So, I expect those two guys to be better contributors, bigger, better, faster, all that stuff. Uh, Dominic Harris was a non-factor last year because of his injury, unfortunately. Assuming that he is healthy and a part of the picture this year, that's another full-on addition. That's another entirely new player that they get to add to the mix. Not completely new. We obviously saw him at times during his freshman year, but basically a new player to add it to the roster that wasn't around last year. The depth on this team is staggering. The depth... 
I mean, Dominic Harris, in my mind right now, is like ninth. That's insane. That is insane that he is the ninth guy on this rotation right now. And if it's not him, then that means it's Nolan Hickman. That means it's Hunter Salas. That means it's Anton Watson or Efton Reed, somebody like that. Either way, either way, this team's depth is insane. That doesn't mean they are not without their flaws, though. The most notable flaw on this roster that I can see looking at it right now as it's currently constructed is rim protection. It's the same issue that the 2020-2021 team with Jalen Suggs, that it's the same issue that that team had. Drew Timmy was a starting point guard. Pretty much everybody else who played in the rotation were guards. Corey Kispert was playing the four on that team. I expect Julian Strother to spend a lot of his time at the four this year. Corey Kispert's not a rim protector. Julian Strother, not a rim protector. Drew Timmy, still not a rim protector. That has not is not a part of his game. He's not as bad at it as some people think that he is. His defensive struggles primarily are away from the basket. He's He still has issues defending the pick and roll and just agility issues that, that are probably never going to make him particularly elite at that skill, which is part of the reason that the NBA is going to be a challenge for him. But his actual rim protection is adequate. He's not going to, you know, break Chet Holmgren's block record or anything like that, but his rim protection is, is fine. But outside of him, there's not a lot. Efton Reed is going to need to step up in a major way. Reed's skill set is actually kind of the opposite of Timmy's right now, at least defensively, where Reed is good at the pick and roll defense. The the way that LSU constructed their defense, he was forced to guard a lot of guards away from the perimeter, and he got pretty good at it. That's going to help Gonzaga a lot, and I think is a skill set that is very important to him and to this roster, but he's not a rim protector. Anton Watson, not a rim protector. Good, I mean, plus, plus defensive player, elite trapper, elite perimeter defensive player, just an absolute, he just wreaks a ton of havoc defensively, but he's not a rim protector. So that's an area that the Zags just don't have a lot of depth. And we saw how critical Chet Holmgren's rim protection was last year. To not have that anymore is going to be, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. Does that mean that they shouldn't be the number one team in the country, though? Not necessarily. In my mind, there's only one other team that truly contends with Gonzaga for the mantle of number one preseason team in the country, and that's the Tar Heels of North Carolina. I will have Isaac Shade, the host of Locked on Tar Heels, on the podcast very soon. We have not set an official date, but we will hopefully do something sometime this month to kind of hash out the pros, the cons, why his team could be number one, why the Zags could be number one. I'm excited for that conversation because I think it it's going to give us a good insight into which of these two teams would win in a theoretical matchup. I think if they were to play each other 10 times, it's probably going to be 5-5 five and five or 6-4, and four. but... North Carolina, like Gonzaga, they returned some key players. Armando Baycott is back. Leaky Black is back. R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, their two starting guards, are back. That's a really good group of guys to get back onto your roster. They have a ton of depth. Obviously, losing a Brady Manic is huge. That's a big loss for them. They were in closely in on Matthew Mayer from du- or excuse me from Baylor. He ended up not going to North Carolina. Now it sounds like they're in on Pete Nance, the Northwestern transfer who was briefly connected to Gonzaga, although... It sounds like with Drew Timmy returning that Nance is not going to come to Gonzaga. If he were to go to North Carolina, that would potentially push the conversation back towards the Tar Heels being the number one overall team in the country. I think it's between those two teams. I think a lot of other people think that it's between those two teams. There are a couple teams that are in the conversation as well. Arkansas, for a long time, was a very popular pick after they landed Anthony Black. They landed a couple other very high-profile recruits. Landed some big-time transfers. For me, I don't like to pick teams that have that much turnover that highly. 
Look at Texas last year as an example. Good coach in Chris Beard. Good, talented players on the roster, but almost none of them had played together, and they ultimately disappointed throughout the season. But Arkansas is now no longer in that conversation after big man Jalen Williams, who frustrated the Gonzaga uh, team significantly in the NCAA tournament. He has stayed in the NBA draft. That kind of kills Arkansas's odds of being the number one overall team, although I still think they'll be top 10. The last team that I think really should be in this conversation is the Cougars of Houston. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's team, very well-coached team, really, really good program. Marcus Sasser was one of the last players to officially make his announcement. He decided to return to Houston and immediately, in my mind, is a candidate to be the National Player of the Year. Obviously, Drew Timmy is in that conversation as well, but Marcus Sasser has all of the skills necessary to be the best player in college basketball next year. Getting him back along with the recruits that they have, along with the rest of the team that they had last year still coming back, that team's going to be very, very good. For my mind, it's Gonzaga, North Carolina, Houston, and Kansas is in that conversation. Even though they lost a bunch of starters, they also brought back a bunch of other very good players. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this all shakes out. And we're going to have much more conversation potentially with Isaac and other people uh, about which teams should be number one, whether it matters to be talking about who's ranked number one in June. Uh, If national champions were won by the preseason number one team, the Zags would have a couple of them already. Uh, So obviously it only matters who's number one at the end of March. But I do think that Gonzaga has put themselves in a position to be squarely back in that conversation, if not the top dog in that conversation uh, when the season rolls around in October. All right, folks, final segment of the show. We're going to be previewing Gonzaga baseball's first game of their regional, which is set to take place against Columbia in Blacksburg, Virginia at 10 a.m. Pacific time on Friday morning. We're going to talk about that right after this. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zach, switching over to cover Gonzaga's baseball program. Their season is not over yet. They did not get to host a regional, unfortunately, after falling short in the WCC tournament. However, they did get sent all the way out to Blacksburg, Virginia, in a regional with Virginia Tech, Columbia, and Wright State. The way These are basically double elimination tournaments. Kind of a round-robin situation for the Zags. The best course of action here is to win themselves a couple of games. Get out of this regional. They're going to have to beat Virginia Tech. The Hokies are very, very good baseball program, and they've been on fire lately. But before they get there, they got to get by Columbia. Columbia, the winners of the Ivy League, uh, 15-2 and two at home this season. A phenomenal team playing on their home field. 15-14 and 14 on the road, so struggled a little bit when they had to get out and play somewhere else. This team is ready to roll. They they talked about they had to take a flight out and they took a, they took a chartered flight out to Blacksburg. They said it was three hours and forty minutes. Uh, kind of jokingly mentioning that that's probably less travel time than they would have had to travel to Corvallis, which would have taken them a little bit longer to get to. Uh, even though it's obviously much closer distance wise, the expectation is that they would end up in Corvallis playing Oregon State in that regional. Instead, they ended up getting sent out to Blacksburg, but they're making the most of it. Said Coach Harmon said they're getting the guys to go to bed a little bit earlier, adjust to the time schedule. Columbia is a good squad. Again, 15-2 and two at home is nothing to laugh at. Winning the Ivy League is not easy. Uh, the, the home parks in the Ivy League are a lot smaller than the ones that Gonzaga is used to playing. If you look at the Ivy League numbers, uh, most of the teams have really good hitting numbers and not so good pitching numbers. That's basically the exact case with Columbia. This is a good hitting team. Multiple dudes with more than 10 home runs. Multiple dudes hitting over 300. Uh, but they're not a good pitching team. 
their team ERA is over five. Gonzaga's team ERA is much, much lower than that. Uh, so it's they're kind of the, the inverse of Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a team that has struggled at times with the sticks, particularly early in games. They struggle to get the offense going, but they're one of the best pitching teams in the entire country. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how those two things shake out. In this game, Coach Harmon had talked about on the Mound Visit podcast, part of the Gonzaga Sports Illustrated site, uh, he mentioned that Gabriel Hughes is going to start against Columbia. No reason not to toss your best guy out there, and Hughes is their best guy. He just got named a College Baseball News All-American. That is an incredible accomplishment for Hughes, an incredible accomplishment for Gonzaga in general. And now he's going to be tossed out there in the first game of a regional against a good hitting team out of Columbia. I trust Hughes in basically every game that he throws. Uh, Gonzaga is going to need to put some runs up on the board. Again, the pitching at Columbia is not super strong, so I think they're going to have the ability to do so. What would be really nice is if they could get some runs up on the board early so Hughes can kind of coast a little bit. His innings are a little bit less stressful, and if they do want to pull him out of the game, they don't have to go to their best relievers. It would be nice if they could go to some of their middle-tier relievers and save the best guys for the rest of the series because you've got to win three games here. Gabriel Hughes can't pitch every inning of every game. He's not going to be able to do that. So you want to save as many of your best arms as possible. If Hughes could go seven or eight uh, and they didn't have to burn any of the rest of their relievers and save all of those guys for Saturday, that would be a huge accomplishment. The best way to get that done is to score a bunch of runs early against Columbia. Kempner, William Kempner is set to pitch on Saturday. Uh, Coach Harmon announced that on the podcast as well. Uh, He's obviously going to pitch either against Wright State or Virginia Tech, depending on how the games go on Friday. Uh, Harmon said on on the Mound Visit podcast, his direct quote was, I'll take William Kempner over anyone in the country right now. That is high, high praise for the way Kempner has been throwing. He started out the season as their Sunday guy, which is usually reserved for your third best starting pitcher. He's going to be their Saturday guy this week getting a bump over Tristan Vreeling, who struggled a little bit uh, down in Pacific in the WCC tournament. Vreeling will, of course, be in line to pitch at some point during the weekend, particularly if they end up going into a third game. But they're going with Kempner. They're going with Kempner on Saturday. I think that's awesome. I think you got to go with the guys who are who are peaking at the right time. Now that he's healthy, he is ready to roll. He is killing it. Last thing I want to talk about is the betting lines here for this game, courtesy of Locked on sponsor Bet Online. The Zags were given 100 plus 175 odds to win the regional. That is the second highest odds in the regional, which is what you would expect considering they're the second highest seeded team in the regional. Virginia Tech's odds are at uh, 175 as well, negative 175. They're like the third, I think the third or the fourth worst odds. For a regional leader, which is a good sign for Gonzaga, that means a lot of people have a lot of faith that Gonzaga could, in theory, upset Virginia Tech and move on out of this regional. Columbia is at plus 950. Wright State is at plus 1800. The betting lines aren't given either of those two schools a very good chance of advancing out of this regional. It's basically going to come down to VTech or Gonzaga. Virginia Tech, again, has been on fire lately. Not a particularly fun team to have to run into, especially not in Blacksburg, Virginia. But... The Zags are one of the best pitching teams in the entire country. And if their arms are on fire and ready to roll, just need the bats to give you a couple, and you got a chance to be advancing all the way out of a regional and potentially going to Omaha. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. So much more unpacking to do next week. We're going to look more at lineups. We're going to have some guests on the show to talk about their takes on what Gonzaga's lineup could look like. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and soon, or excuse me, available on YouTube as well. 
Finally, thank you again for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin to give fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and, of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.